0: And welcome to KeeperCast, the Keeper of Velocities podcast. I'm Sammy.
1: And I'm Star.
0: And this is episode 10, brought to you by Glowing Fungus. This is being recorded directly after we recorded week nine um, because of things. So I, my incoherence might increase as this episode goes on. Um, the main thing that happened in this section is that Alden Fake died. But we don't know it was fake yet. Is it
1: fake? That's debatable. Like, I mean, he dies, but he gets better. You know,
0: he dies, but it's just like temporary. Um, but before that all happens, we are bringing back the um, the mastodon costumes, and they're having the uh, they're opening ceremonies for Foxfire, which was the thing that they rehearsed for. Several chapters ago, and then now it actually happens. Something I'd forgotten about this section, that like we're reading, I was like, "Oh, that's weird." is <laughs> that all the decorations were made out of fungus, so they were like, like the lights were made out of like glowing mold, and then the the pads were lined with like foxfire fungus, and I was just trying to just trying to imagine that in my head. And I was like, "Oh, that's a lot." Weirder than I remembered it being.
1: Oh, yeah. Everything, everything's, everything's bioluminescent. So everything is mushrooms and fungus and mold.
0: Oh, and there's like worms too, right? Glowing worms. Mm
1: Mm-hmm, glow worms. And then there's the flowers. The flowers are nice. I don't know. For some reason, maybe it's just because I like flowers and I like pollinators a whole bunch. But the concept of... The splendors just bloomed, uh, they're a rare plant everyone has to cultivate, and then it's pretty gross, but it draws the flicker wings, and then seeing something beautiful and strange just come into being, that, I really liked that. I'm horrifically biased, but yeah.
0: No, I love flowers too. Yeah, that whole, that whole sequence where they were showing, like, the elite level dances, um... Because, yeah, I don't know, I just, I did just think that was really nice.
1: It's really beautiful.
0: So It's, like, a really weird opening ceremony overall, I mean, in terms of, like, like compared to most things, even in the Elven world, but, like, at the same time, there is something just, like, really nice and beautiful about it that manages to come through.
1: It's a much-needed break, I will say, because that last section is just like, hello, here are the worst bits of the Elven world, and then you just kind of get a little time to see, to see what the best, which is, which is nice which is nice and very needed. It's the one moment, like,
0: in between the two very prominent storms of, like, the whole Finton Prentice exile thing. And then you get, like, the nice opening ceremonies. And then Alden dies temporarily. So it's like... Eye of
1: the storm, basically.
0: Yeah, speaking of Alden being, um, not okay. He isn't. <laughs> yeah, so the, uh... What happens towards the end of, um... The opening ceremonies is that uh, Alden scenes, sees sees um, Alden sees Wiley dancing with the elite with the elite students, um, and that triggers sort of it. Well, what how they explained it right was that it triggered like guilt in Alden because of Prentice, because he saw like he saw Wiley saw how he realized how like he's alone without a dad. Um, and then that led him to actually that led his mind to actually break
1: which is, you know, obviously really depressing. Yeah. I mean, I guess what gets me is it's the same it's the same thing that I was bringing up before. The idea that you know, because of the way the set up what it means is that elves can never feel guilt or this happens and so they can never Or, I mean, not that they can never, but it puts, it makes potentially coping with that guilt a challenge because if you can never acknowledge that you feel it or you die, it's like, oof.
0: It also kind of works, I feel like it works against itself as well because if you're so avoidant of your guilt, that also means that, like, you're never really able to move on to it, so... In trying to stay away from it, it ends up still, it ends up being there for longer, I feel like. And because you have no coping mechanisms and, you know, because you can't even, like, acknowledge it or else you yourself will break.
1: Man, it just makes you wonder. Elven therapists must have one heck of a job. Yeah,
0: so Alden breaks. Um, And this is kind of a big deal. I feel like, it's a very I
1: feel like... big deal. <laughs> One of the things that did kind of confuse me was nobody seems to notice that Alden is unconscious. Like, quite literally, there's a moment where it says, um, everyone was too busy. Uh, where where's the where's the line? Where's the line? No one around her seemed to notice the Vacker's sudden departure, too busy laughing and eating candy and gathering the children to head to their own homes and I'm like, great. Nobody noticed someone just going unconscious in the middle of a crowded space. Are you sure? Are you sure about that? Like nobody in the middle of a yeah, it's like how
0: do you miss How do you miss Alden Vacker just passing out?
1: I feel like that, yeah, that that confuses me as well. It implies that nobody was looking when this happened, that nobody was even glancing over going, wait, is he okay? Like, nobody does that. And that is weird to me.
0: I guess they were watching the dance, but it does seem weird, especially like, I mean, like, he went unconscious. He sort of fell over. Like, he would have, like, jostled people, I feel like.
1: And, like, the dancing was done by then. The whole right, thing right, is it's yeah. over, and this is the reception. They're literally at a party, but apparently everyone is too distracted to notice the guy going unconscious. Like, okay, but consider no. Also, by the way, unrelated, well, kind of related, but it's Wily! It's the boy. He shows up. He appears for the first time. The triplets, Lex, Bex, and Rex. I- I love them. (laughs) And other characters that appear for the first time. The triplets. So. Mm -hmm. We get- we get a lot of- They're good! We get- we get a lot of- a lot of good- good characters. Good characters who don't get enough page time. Although, you know- you know what does kind of make me curious? How? What is the level of, hey, multiple births are bad? Because you have people, like, I mean, I guess this, I guess, yeah, no, that's, never mind. Because it's different for every family, obviously, and so different people have different reasons. It's just, it's very interesting to see, you know, the song twins on one hand, and on the other hand, you have the triplets who are just like, yeah, we're triplets. We all have rhyming names, in case you didn't believe we were triplets were triplets, who are just very open about it, and then you have, you guys aren't allowed to be twins and also you go to Exilium. I, I do
0: think that might have also had something to do with Kessler as well. Like, <laughs> he's, he seems to be the kind of person who'd just be like, yeah, you're triplets, be proud of it, have your rhyming names, be your, your you know.
1: There was a theory floated on um, one of the keep it lost these discords that they actually all have different names so it's lex bex and rex but it's um alexander and then uh i forget what the other two were floated is but they actually have full names but those full names were chosen specifically to give them all rhyming nicknames which i which is incredible to be quite frank
0: i am 100 percent behind that headcanon i love that yeah, I do hope we get to see more of the triplets, um, as the series goes on because I I love them. They're chaotic and they're great, and like especially since they're like level ones in Exile, right? So as the series goes on, they do get they do get older, and I feel like they will be old enough soon. They will be old enough soon to like start going on the adventures with. The main Keeper crew. So I would really
1: like to see that happen at least, like, once. Also, I want protective all the brother shenanigans. Like, we don't get it- We don't really get too much of it with Fitz and Biana, because Fitz very rightly goes, yeah, I couldn't stop her from doing anything if I tried. And we have Lynn and Tam, but they're twins, so- But they're twins, and their version of protective older sibling is more, you touch them, I will die for them, and I will take you down with me. Because they've been through enough that that's kind of their modus operandi. I just want to see Dex being like, look, if you guys get hurt, mom will kill me. So please, please, please be careful. I want to see shenanigans.
0: There have been like remarkably few sibling shenanigans I feel like for the number of siblings in this series like I feel like the ones who'd be most likely to would be Sophie and Amy but they do only get nightfall together and then they're just separated so yeah I want to see more of that
1: also also this is going back again but uh this is I believe the first instance of we make them wear weird clothes which is one of those weird things that's kind of a pattern. Because it's the weird costumes here, and then the weird pajamas in... in Well, I don't remember what book is in, but in a Louveter, I don't know. It's, it's probably just coincidence, but yeah. Am I going back to this so we don't have to talk about Alden Breaking? Because oof, maybe a little. Yes. But we should probably talk about it.
0: Alright, so if we're going to talk about Alden Breaking... That's a thing that happens. I have remarkably little to say on the subject of, like, breaking itself. I feel
1: like we covered that in F9. I mean, the one thing that surprises me about it is that they don't figure out that Alden breaks until they go into his mind. And I don't really get that I guess because it feels like I mean I guess it's I guess it's rare enough that people break that you know oh it would be believable that they wouldn't know because it's it's the idea like breaking isn't that breaking isn't common enough for them to expect it but I just I yeah
0: yeah that's something I noticed as well Felt like Alden's breaking, or at least, like, us and the people around him realizing that he was broken, it felt very slow and gradual. Like, you start being like, oh, maybe he's not 100% okay after he, like, passes out in exile, and then it just gets worse and worse and worse, until finally they go into his mind and they realize, like, oh, he's gone. And that... That feels like it does. It does feel like um, going back to what we were saying about um, about the process of like break of your mind breaking being just really slow and torturous and like um, and about how it's just your mind is just shattering slowly bit by bit and that
1: felt a lot like what was going on with Alden. I will say the fact that it's Sophie that pieces it together is weird to me. Like, if they know elves can break from guilt and they know that's possible and they have no way of checking for that, it feels a bit odd that Elwin wouldn't at least have some way of doing that that wasn't Sophie putting it together. But I do think you're very right about, you know, breaking is slow and painful and torturous and it's... With Elwyn not realizing,
0: though, it could be because, like, he didn't have the full context like Sophie was only really able to figure out because she was like oh he saw Wiley. he felt guilty about Prentice and that was what set it off um but I do agree it's weird that I mean breaking from guilt is obviously like an an ish or something that the elves more often than not don't want to happen so it feels weird that they wouldn't have any measures there to like test for it or they wouldn't even know like exactly what a broken mind looks like outside of somewhere like exile
1: on the other hand maybe it's because the elves are in denial (laughs) gonna keep bringing it back to there i don't think the elves are equipped to deal with a lot of things that so they've been ignoring it and somehow it hasn't broke like somehow it's been working but i still think like avoidance is just a thing for the elves
0: yeah it's like yeah, it's like their answer to everything is just is just to avoid it. Like if it's from avoiding avoiding guilt, avoiding accountability, avoiding conflict because they're afraid that the violence and the guilt will make them break and which is also why they avoid guilt. Like it's just built off of their their entire society is just built off of denial
1: yep which is which is which is a great way to to build a society what do you mean there's no way that can go horribly horribly wrong but okay in the same vein look at what Elwyn gives her after after all the breaks and they realize it and they call in Tyrgen, which is fascinating um i i there, there's stuff there's stuff to deal with before this but Elwyn literally gives her a happy elixir so she doesn't feel it and it's like and this is treated as standard practice yeah like i can't i can't
0: tell if if that moment with the happy elixir was supposed to be like like comic relief or or supposed to be like oh that's that seems kind of sus i was i was looking on the wiki actually um for to try to find the name of that elixir but i don't think they ever say it because i couldn't I couldn't find it on there.
1: It's just it's just happy Alexa, and I don't think we see it again. Couple other fascinating things like... that happen here. Oh, no, go ahead.
0: Oh no, you can you can go ahead first.
1: I was gonna change the subject, so you go ahead.
0: Oh, okay. Um Well, I was going to slightly change the subject as well. Um, but I feel like if we're if we're talking about Alden's mind breaking uh, we could also talk about fits in this section, and how he deals with that. This is our first time, I think, where we get to, s- where we see angry fits, and we see how he's just kind of lashing out at everyone, especially Sophie, um, even before we know that Alden's mind is broken, it's, and it's a different way of responding to, like, like I think we've talked about before that exile the book is very much a book about grief and how different people respond to grief in different ways, and I feel like Fitz is responding, responding to like losing his father, responding to that with anger and with pushing other people away. That's something that, um, that's a response that we haven't seen yet in the book, from any other character.
1: And I think especially when you connect with this idea of like. If I push it away, I don't have to deal with it. This is the same idea of rerouting the emotions. If you get angry, you can't feel bad. And also, like, the the line that stuck with me from this is, you don't want to say things you're going to regret later. I won't regret them. And he will. He does. But there is the sense of, like, later doesn't matter this is this is, this is is what's happening in the now, and if I focus on that, then no, he won't, because right now he's too angry to regret anything.
0: Makes you wonder, maybe Sophie's, maybe Sophie has the right idea with the whole no sedatives thing.
1: Although, once again, I maintain this whole thing that the elves do of just straight up sedating people when they have too many emotions is really questionable. Like, legitimately, it's it's like, Fitz gets angry. Take a sedative. Elwyn goes with Oliver when Beata hears the news in case she needed to be sedated. Like, they, they're, they, they just... There's so much, like, stay asleep. Stay asleep. Don't think about it. And it's... really uncomfortable. It's like,
0: oh, something bothering you? Just fall asleep until it's over. Which is like... Well, one, it's like a mood, but also... Not good, that's not a coping mechanism,
1: like it's a mood, but it's an unhealthy mood also by the way, because because Sam can't be here, I'm gonna point this out for her. there's nothing that can be done for a broken mind, Sophie. trust me, I've spent the last thirteen years trying Have you now have you now? <laughs> you couldn't move on from him, could you to you again anyway uh that has been that has been your um. Weekly tear to side. <laughs> but yeah. I like I, I I am a fan of the fact that we, we do have someone with this sort of not uncontrollable but the idea like they get really angry and they say things they regret. Because Yeah. I wish it was Especially having it be fit. Mm-hmm. Because he's seen as this perfect person and then To have him lash out like that, it's like, yeah, you can be golden and you can still really, really hurt people. Do I wish it had been dealt with a little more? Yes, I kind of wish they'd stayed in that point of, hey, Fitz really hurt me. You really hurt me. How do you make up for that? How do you work to do it better? Like, I would have loved... Maybe we get it, I don't know. But I'm going to be keeping my eye out for a scene later on where Fitz does get angry, and where he responds to that by being like, okay, I think I have to leave. I think I have to extricate myself in this situation because I know I get angry and I don't want to hurt people. So I, I would really like to see... I'll be keeping my eye out for a scene where Fitz is like, hmm, maybe we could use some healthy coping mechanisms here. But, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, that is something... I'd like to see. I and I don't think he's quite gotten there yet. Seeing as like in Legacy, I feel like he's he's been responding to like he's been responding to things in a pretty similar way as he what well, he was responding to Aldens Breaking and in Exile. He's still he's still he's still working on it. He has to get it together.
1: And I mean like that's not to say I feel like that's not to say that, you know, you need to rub away people's character flaws. You don't. But when those character flaws lead to them hurting other people, you want to show them coping with it, I, I guess. Like, oh, my like, oh, he gets too angry. That's fine. Maybe he never gets over that. Maybe his maybe he always has to deal with this crazy temper. But he learns to cope with it.
0: Right, but he in order to grow, he needs some sort of like, yeah. In order to grow, he needs some sort of like self awareness at least, like this knowledge that like, that like oh, like it's 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 okay to feel angry or whatnot when you lose people, but you but you have to stop yourself from hurting other people in the process.
1: And just, I think there are a lot of ways you could go about it. I think there are a lot of ways you could, because there are a lot of, you know, like, if you look up coping mechanisms to deal with anger, you'll find a lot of information. I think there are a lot of ways you could go about showing that. But I would really love it to be shown. And maybe this is because I kind of relate a little too hard to the whole getting too angry thing. But, you know, I just think it'd be cool. <laughs> so then they the, then they do bring in bring in Tyrion after, after Fitz, I think.
0: Oh, and... Um... Yeah, and this, this sort of, this section is also where they bring up the concept of being lost versus being broken, uh, which is something we talked about in the last episode, and yeah, I, I found, I found that really interesting, this idea that, like, to be honest, I'm not completely solid on, like, what the difference is, but, but it feels like we've seen the difference between, in, regarding Alden, so... I thought it was cool to put a name to it. And then um, at the end of this, not the end of like this week, but the end of the mini section in here, um, is when Sophie makes a decision. She decides in order to reverse Alden's guilt, she's going to have to prove that he made the right choice in breaking Prentice's mind, which means she's going to have to prove that the black swan is evil. This is so completely divorced from, like, this is so completely different from any of her motivations in the later books. And it's like, whoa, okay.
1: To be honest, I really like it, though.
0: Yeah, no, I like it. It's interesting. And it's new. And
1: it's... I'm not sure it's the last time we see her. It's the kind of thing that's, you know, you don't want your character to stay stuck in for too long because if you're constantly going back and forth on whether you can trust someone, that gets old. But this moment here is Sophie making a choice that's in character that makes sense given what she knows and just kind of. It's, it's really powerful because it, it it's, a, it's on the one hand, Sophie's like, I need to fix this. I'm going to fix this. I'm going to prove it's evil. And it's like, what does that mean for me? We can worry about that later. And I think that's a very Sophie thing to do, and I like it here.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I like it a lot. Um, Sort of going from that topic to the next is that um. in trying to, you know, when she starts trying to find evidence to prove that, like, the black swan murdered Jolie and that Grady was correct um she Sophie starts looking through Jolie's room and this is actually one of the scenes that surprisingly like stuck with me from my first reading I I read it yesterday and was like oh yeah I I remember that because um, uh in this section the first thing she finds actually it doesn't have anything to do with the black swan it's a it's this box of love letters between um between Jolie and Brandt. And that part, that part felt soft to me. Like, even though we know Brandt wasn't a great person. I mean, we know that now, but like, but like, you know, yeah, they love each other. And it felt like, like one of the, one of the love letters was like, she's saying it's like a, it was like a really bad sappy poem about how much Brandt loved Jolie. And that,
1: that felt like, but they really did love each other.
0: Yeah, that just felt very soft and
1: a bit sad. And also, um, first of all, Jolie's favorite color being purple, it's a little detail, but it's like, yeah, she had a favorite color. She had a life and a personality in and, and, and dresses. And, and, and also the idea of Edeline keeping everything the same way it was keeping all her things and not moving them i mean on the one hand it makes so much sense like it, it's 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 true to life
0: yeah it also does feel like it feels like it has a lot to do with with denial as well like there's one part like there's this there is this idea of like wanting to keep everything the same as how jolie had it in order to you know to to remember her and in, yeah, in order to remember her and like, respect her memory but on the other hand there is this idea of like oh are you keeping everything the same because you refuse to believe she's really gone and you think that one day she might come back which feels like a very elven sort of subconscious mindset
1: to have I think I mean in real life it's not for me to judge anyone's grief I think in this book I mean maybe this is just because I'm me and I'm biased but I feel like it would have been nice to have a moment where you could both acknowledge that this room was Jolie's room without necessarily being like I guess we should dump all this stuff like I feel like I feel like there should have been some way maybe like to like maybe to give it to Sophie and be or like or just like like I don't know. Because on the one hand, keeping it and keeping her feels like a really nice way to set up her memory because that's what it does for the reader because we get to see who she was and what she liked and what she kept and what she had. Uh, But on the other hand, you are right. She is God and Grady and cannot stay in denial on that forever.
0: Yeah, I do wish there had been a way to kind of like find a happy medium, right? Between keeping her room like perfectly pristine and untouched and then edeline being like oh it's time to pack up all of her stuff like yeah i like i like what you said about um about maybe giving this stuff to, to sophie like i know um edeline ended up giving giving the spectral mirror with vertina to sophie and so and that was and that was nice because it does feel like you have like that part of Jolie's personality now that's like so much closer to Sophie and she can kind of get to know Jolie through Vertina.
1: Also nice bits about the scene. Sophie, Grady, and Edeline get to basically just have a family night with sugar and charm bracelets and that's great. That's just great. Every time time these guys get to be a family I gain five years of life.
0: The final section of this section the, the final couple chapters of this section um we're switching gears a bit we're back at foxfire it's the first day of level three um and this is where we meet lady cadence and master Lido. because sophie goes to the silver tower for the first time to um to start her polyglot classes master Lido. He's well. Spoiler: He's Mr. Forkel, and it feels completely different reading this section knowing that.
1: Also, the way the way he kind of treats um, Sophie makes a lot of sense if you consider he is also Mr. Forkel. Yeah, like, the,
0: that sort of like, casual disdain of like, oh well, we've never had a wonder child in the Silver Tower anymore. It's very Mr. Forkel like,
1: and the oh, you're too short to look it. Yeah, <laughs> that was like yeah. You you can absolutely see that.
0: Um, sort of a, a a detail from the Silver Tower that like it's a small detail, but I I really liked it. Um, was that he was Ma- Master Leader's position uh, was called the Beacon, right? And then there was the whole Hall of Illumination, which is full of mirrors, and um, I loved how all the language surrounding the elite towers has to do with light, because the whole point of it is like. The whole point of the elite levels is like being enlightened and the whole thing with the whole the whole thing with the Lost Cities is that they're they love light, they light leap, they have the they build things out of crystal. So it it was like a nice bit of world building that I was like, Oh yeah, of course, you know, all the things in the Silver Tower would be named after light related things.
1: hmm And also the idea of different reflections being in the place where knowledge is built because knowledge is you know the idea of looking at contrasting perspectives and developing your own
0: yeah i actually i i find the Hall of illumination fascinating actually and i love how they brought it back in um in lodestar and I it was such a big part of lodestar uh even though i admittedly remember very little about lodestar but but yeah, I really like this idea of like, oh, you can like you can only graduate after you've been able to figure out, you know, the meaning behind all these different kinds of, of reflections and these different kinds of light.
1: I will say I like Lady Cadence a whole bunch.
0: <laughs> I love Lady Cadence. She's great.
1: I just like especially given the discussions we've had about the elves and their like false sense of superiority and denial, Lady Cadence just being like all of you, all of you are wrong, is is very interesting. I do think I do think that is Lady Cadence because she's the polygot She's the one who lived with the ogres. I I really like the like when what, what she comes with, where she brings like hey there are other people in the world and you think about the consequences of your actions because the world is more complicated than you think it is. Because your actions have consequences. (laughs) But, like, let's be real. Sophie doesn't know this. I mean, she registers it vaguely, I assume, but she doesn't... She understands it as, like, a a concept. (laughs) Yeah. Also, I just... I think languages... Languages are cool.
0: And it's so cool how, like how Lady Cadence, like you said, with, you know, with her living with the ogres, um, how in a way, like, she kind of is that outside perspective that the Black Swan was trying to get with Sophie, yet she managed to do that still living in the Lost Cities herself, which is interesting and kind of ties into, I feel like what we were saying before about, like, like, yes, Sophie's exceptional on her own, but also, you know, that doesn't discount the fact that there are a lot of other elves that are exceptional as well,
1: just in different ways. Yeah, no, I, I think you're very right. A- and-, and what's cool about this is Exile, Everblaze, a- a- and the first book mostly stick to the elven world and the Forbidden Cities, but Never seen is where we first kind of branch out of that we go other places we see other worlds we see other cultures and ideas and i think that this is the start of that here
0: right it's like preparing you to to start talking about the the ogres actually because they're the first like non-elf species that we kind of go in depth to regard with like everblaze and king dimitar right
1: yeah and then and then we had to we leave and we go to their cities and never seen
0: mm-hmm. yeah and that's when we bring in the gnomes as well
1: another thing that comes with this idea of like branching out in cultures that i kind of wish they'd explored is being a polyglot means you speak the language but if you've ever taken a language class you know that's only half the battle right like because there's there's this idea of like do you one do you speak it with perfect grammar because if so oh my god, I'm jealous. The amount, like, conjugation, I took Spanish for seven years, conjugations gave me hell, but there's all this culture and a history and a past and art and music and all of this, all of this background to a language. Like, even if, like, even in in Spanish, you have a formal version of you and an informal version of you in, in some dialects and some versions of Spanish. And so... What I'd be curious about, and honestly, what I think polyglot training would and should consist of, is teaching you to recognize, oh, these are some of the cultural patterns in some of the main languages you might be speaking.
0: Yeah, I wonder, like, I wonder how does, how exactly does the polyglot ability work? Is it just, like, are you only able to instinctively know, like, the, like, the sort of textbook version of other languages or do you are you able to instinctively grasp like things like dialects and slang and yeah and those more cultural aspects of it
1: i just i think it's really interesting and i think that that lady cadence spending so much time with another culture in another language i think our perspective on this is really interesting and i'm kind of I, I don't think we get it in this book but I kind of wonder if we're going to explore that. Also, by the way, something I just realized. How had she never noticed how elven mirrors work before? Is is foreshadowing, isn't it? I think, correct me if I'm wrong here. Isn't this foreshadowing for later on her realizing that something's a human mirror? Yeah, yeah, I... Like something in Jolie. Yeah, I did not recognize that. I skimmed right over that line. It was just like, huh, that's weird. But no, it's because Jolie's got a human mirror. Yeah, I don't,
0: I don't remember exactly what it was. It, was it in Everblaze? But something was written in mirror writing. I think it was, it, was, it was one of Jolie's notebooks, right? Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah, I didn't realize that that was foreshadowing until now. I you pointed it out.
1: The Hall of Illumination is a cool place.
0: All right, so that brings us to the end of the section. Uh, is there anything else you wanted to bring up?
1: Um, there's probably a note about because uh, early on in the Foxfire um, opening ceremony, uh Keith and his dad, I don't know if they have an interaction or if it's just
0: Oh yeah, Cassius. mm-hmm.
1: yeah. And it's just like, yep, there he is. Cool beans. It's, 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 it's a bad. It's a bad. Yeah. (laughs) Just overall. And seeing how different, seeing how different Keith acts with him is really, really nice. It's, it's really interesting because just the sheer flop in personality is kind of wild. I mean, it's not, it's not like a complete switch, but just like, you see him in track with his dad and he goes quiet, he goes like everything that's boisterous and loud about him just kind of shrinks. And it's it's a good it's a good character moment. I don't I don't say that often about Keith, but
0: <laughs> Yeah, no, it 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 really is. Yeah, those those moments where you see Keith as you know, not like as as not the one who makes jokes and plays pranks and is the person everybody loves, I think those are, those are the, really the best character moments regarding him.
1: And I think I think what I what I want to see with Keith is for him to kind of reconcile that, like that he doesn't need to be funny to be loved. That he can still be funny, but to do it for his own, like self enjoyment and his own satisfaction and that people aren't going to leave him if he's not always on. But I don't know if I've seen that much. (laughs) Because from what I remember, which I could be wrong, Keith has just turned into still like, he's just more angsty now. He's trying to keep up once. He's trying to keep up the jokey bit, but also now there's angst involved, and he's still completely unable to reconcile the two sides, and he still thinks he's gonna be abandoned. Which I understand. I mean, like, which I understand, like, you don't ever have to have him get over that character flaw of being doubtful that, you know, the people he loves in his life are going to leave him. But it would be cool to see him at some point confront that doubt. Like, yeah, no, I am scared that people are going to abandon me, but I know that, like, I know that they're not because I've seen them not do that. So even though I'm scared... I have, like, even though I'm scared, even though I don't believe it, I still know. Just, just, just something like that. Oh, oh, what I will say, though, we've kind of brought this up a bit, but I just, well, I think we mentioned this before, but just everything about this entire section makes me just wonder about the state of mental health in the Lost Cities. Like um mm. because the breaks and 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 that happens and then you know fits like his whole family is just in crisis and it feels like the response to this is once again just to sedate them and just to do nothing there's no there's no sense of like like even even after it feels like there's not... There's a little... there. There's not that sense of community, I think. That, 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 as far as I know, is really important after grief. Like, you come together, you bring a casserole, and we definitely don't... We don't really see that in this section, and maybe it's because I'm not... Like, we never... We don't get to see a lot of, you know, people just coming together, trying to help. Yeah, and I think...
0: I think in a lot of ways that's just because grief is just so rare, in the Lost Cities that nobody really, nobody really knows what to do, and when people are grieving, like the Vackers right now, they're just very they they truly are just very alone in it.
1: And especially if you connect that back to the elves and their sense of denial, like nobody wants that because nobody wants to acknowledge that it's possible. It's a it's a big oof. It's it's a big oof. Just just a series of oofs.
0: If you want to send us a message, you can send it to Keepercast on Tumblr or the Keepercast on Instagram. Um, and for me, my social media is Malamelting at or Malamelting on Tumblr
1: and Instagram. I have neither Tumblr or an Instagram, but you can find my AO3 at Stardreamer2TWO. Yee. Um,
0: this has been Keepercast. See you next week. <laughs>